Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Before the pandemic, few Americans prepared lamb, and those who did tended to reserve it for special occasions. But shortages of traditional proteins last spring pushed more people to try lamb for the first time. And now, nearly a year later, sales of lamb continue to climb as shoppers overcome negative perceptions and incorporate it into their dishes more regularly. According to IRI, growth of lamb sales as measured as a percentage of change versus 2019 outpaced all other proteins consistently from May through November of 2020. In addition, lamb had the highest percentage of gains at 34% versus the same month the prior year. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Sustainable American Lamb Purveyor, Superior Farms, VP of Marketing and Brand Strategy, Anders Hemphill, and Director of Marketing, Robert Mariano, share what's behind lamb's quick rise in popularity, who's buying lamb and why, and what 2021 might hold for the segment. They also discuss common misconceptions around lamb and some of the lingering challenges that industry needs to address to build further on lamb's current momentum. While historically lamb in the U.S. has been reserved for holidays or enjoyed while eating out, the pandemic created this mass trial moment at retail for the protein, which Hempel says, to his surprise and delight, helped win over consumers who are now embracing the ingredient as a quote-unquote experience or as a way to mix up their cooking as they continue to prepare meals at home week after week, day after day. Uh, Almost a year ago now, when the pandemic hit, uh, food service almost overnight just fell off a cliff. So restaurants were not operating or were operating on a very limited basis. Um, and so that, um, you know, is a, is a significant part of our business. That's about half of our business is, is through restaurants and other food, food service outlets. So initially there was a big concern that, uh, well, you know, we're never going to be able to make that up. Um, and then uh, what was interesting is that right after Easter, we always see kind of a big bump in sales around Easter that's typical for lamb because it's such a traditional Easter dish. Um, you know, we were kind of waiting to see what would happen. And what what we did see was that retail sales of lamb uh, really stayed very strong and were very high. And I think there was a part of us that thought, well, there's a run on all these supermarkets and uh, all the beef and pork and chicken is all picked over. Lamb was left, and so people took it. <laughs> and and uh, so uh, we thought, well, you know, people have, have you know, stockpiled their freezers with, with, uh, with whatever they could get, um, and we'll see a, a short-term spike, and then sales will fall off because people will already have stocked up on what they need. But what pleasantly surprised us was that sales didn't taper off, and they've continued to grow at a, a significant um, pace at retail from where they had been before. Um, and what we have heard from our retail customers is that a lot of customers who hadn't been lamb shoppers before 
now we're trying lamb. And part of that, we believe, was driven by the fact that, okay, I'm not eating out as much. I'm cooking at home more. I need to mix up the <laughs> the routine a little bit here to just keep things interesting. And people tried lamb who might not have um, uh, been typical lamb users before. And I think that they liked the experience that they had, and so they continued to come back for more. And we've just continued to see that um, month after month uh, with retail sales just outpacing other proteins um, in, in terms of, of where they were the year before. Even before the pandemic, lamb sales were starting to climb after years of decline, which Hempel attributes to his rising popularity of cooking shows and which Mariano attributes to the increasing diverse American population. From my perspective, some of what we're uh, seeing, I mean, yeah, certainly um, younger consumers experimenting with other proteins and other um, uh, other cuisines and things like that is certainly part of it. Uh, but I think the um, the growth in so many different cooking shows and channels um, and, you know, uh, YouTube videos and things like that um, have really expanded people's mind in terms of the culinary possibilities that exist in their own kitchen. <laughs> so uh, I think from that standpoint, um, y- you're seeing on TV or on the Internet, you know, more people doing things with proteins like lamb. Um, and I think that also serves to educate and inspire consumers. I think some of the other things that we've talked about are, uh, as you know, as America becomes much more diverse and folks from other parts of the world um, come and they bring with them some of their family recipes and the things they've enjoyed uh, in different cultures, and a big part of that globally is is lamb. So I think part of that initial growth um, is just uh, as we see folks uh, bringing in recipes and cultures and foods from other parts of the world, I think lamb is a part of that picture. While lamb sales have grown tremendously in the past year, Anders acknowledges that it's still a relatively niche protein with a small base and significant challenges that it needs to overcome for future growth. Uh, Today, Americans eat about a pound of lamb per capita, um, and that compares to about 60 pounds of beef, about 50 pounds of pork, and almost 100 pounds of chicken. So, you know, lamb is 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 pretty niche um, in the U.S. at this point. Um, but that said, um, it has grown in the last few years. Um, per capita consumption in 2011 was uh, 0.6, and now it's over a pound. So it's 1.1 1. 1, uh, pounds now as opposed to 0. 0.6 back in 2011. <clears throat> so we have seen uh, an increase, albeit we're still, you know, tiny compared to the other proteins. Part of what has held lamb sales back historically has been what Hempel describes as a significant quote-unquote intimidation factor that is compounded by higher price points than many competing proteins, issues that he says industry must address through consumer education and potentially pack and price structure. Some people who are happy to eat lamb out at a restaurant um, may be intimidated uh, about cooking it at home. I think part of that is uh, the fact that it tends to be a more expensive protein. If you were to buy a package, like a one-pound package of uh, ground lamb versus a pound of ground beef, um, that ground lamb might cost you 8 or $9 for a pound, um, and whereas ground beef, you might be getting it for more like $5 or 5 or $6. So, um, you know, so... 
you know, from a pure dollar standpoint, it's it's not um, something you'd have to, you know, <laughs> finance. But <laughs> um, at, at the same point, it, it is a higher dollar figure uh, than than if you were buying the beef or, or you know some other kind of a protein. And I think also when you look at um, some of the higher end cuts, you know, a rack of lamb. Uh, you know, oftentimes if you're buying a really a nice, uh, you know, American rack of lamb, uh, that rack of lamb is usually two to two and a half pounds. Um, it'll serve uh, two to three people. Um, but oftentimes at retail, you're looking at a price point that's between 20 and $30 per pound, depending upon where you're buying it. And um, so a rack of lamb can easily cost you 40 to 50 or more dollars. So from that standpoint, you know, people can feel that intimidation a little bit, um, uh, you know, when they're when they're at the supermarket. But at the same time, if you're really buying, a, you know, a nice, you know, USDA prime, you know, ribeye or a, certainly a standing rib roast, which is kind of the uh, equivalent to a rack of lamb in terms of the cut of the animal, um, you know, you're going to you're going to to pay a fair amount of money for that as well. Uh, and if someone doesn't feel very confident in, you know, their cooking skills or how to prepare lamb versus beef or things like that, then uh, they see kind of a high-risk situation where they've spent a fair amount of money and they could potentially uh, <laughs> come up with a dish that doesn't turn out very well and then no one's happy. Um, so there is an intimidation factor, and I think from our standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, um, that's cert- certainly something that, that we work hard to combat. Um, you know, we oftentimes compare, um, you know, a cut of lamb to a certain cut of beef. And if you can cook this, then you can cook that. So, you know, a steak on the grill, maybe you're cooking a ribeye or a T-bone steak uh, on the grill. If you can do that, you can cook a lamb loin chop. It's the same, you know, it's 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 the same cut as a T-bone. Um, and however you know, you like your T-bone steak prepared, whether it's medium or medium rare or what have you, um, the same preparation works perfectly well with lamb. So, so you know, really we see our job as educating and inspiring consumers um, to, you know, kind of take that step forward and uh, step out and, and try something that might be a little bit outside their comfort zone, uh, but encouraging them to uh, to enjoy the success of that. I think we've also seen uh, with different consumer segments, especially younger consumer segments, uh, a little bit more of an adventurous um, uh, attitude as they approach lamb or other types of proteins or or foods, uh, different types of cuisines. So millennials and Gen Z consumers are really uh, a little bit more interested in finding things that are from a different part of the world that kind of fit into a different culinary um, tradition than what they might have grown up with. And lamb oftentimes fits into those, uh, into those experiences very well. Another misperception that Superior Farms is trying to shake that's related to the higher price point of some cuts of lamb is this idea that lamb is a protein for the affluent. When Hempel says in reality, it offers appeal to a broad spectrum of consumers across socioeconomic classes. We provide all of the uh, lamb at Walmart stores nationwide. Um, you know, our business with them was up uh, almost 40% from the year before. Um, so it has just continued to um, outpace expectations at retail. I think what we're seeing is is a more broad 
consumer base for American lamb than uh, than what we might have presumed a few years ago. Uh, Walmart has, though, been a strong partner with us for um, for years and has uh, committed to providing an American lamb product to their uh, to their customers, which is um, you know something that we have greatly appreciated. American lamb is typically more expensive than um, imported lamb. Um, so it would be easy for uh, you know, a retailer like Walmart to say, we're going to go with something that's less expensive, um, but they've committed to uh, having an American lamb program. Uh, and I, I think that their customers have certainly responded to that. Um, so I think that, yeah, we are seeing uh, people um, maybe that we wouldn't have stereotypically associated as, you know, uh, uh, lamb buyers uh, buying their lamb at Walmart, but also at Kroger and at HEB and at a number of other retailers um, around the country. Um, and we're also seeing different cuts. So on uh, – uh, on the lower end side of things, you could say, well, I'll get a, I can get a shoulder chop, and that's a very economical cut, or I can get some ground lamb, um, and that's an easy way to try lamb in a pasta sauce or you know a lamb burger or something like that. Um, but we're also seeing um, you know sales of some of those higher end cuts, uh, even at uh, stores like Walmart, um, uh, really starting to. Uh, to pick up sales there as well. So, um, you know, so I think it is interesting to see how uh, consumers across a broad spectrum uh, of socioeconomic status uh, are are really trying lamb and uh, coming back for it. As more consumers become vaccinated against the coronavirus and local economies reopen, including restaurants, schools, and workplaces, Hemphill says Superior Farm seeks to maintain consumers gained during the pandemic and further expand its reach through engaging online content. From a strategic standpoint, um, our, our goals with consumers continue uh, to be to educate and inspire. So, you know, a lot of what we uh, are attempting to do is um, is continuing to highlight ways that you can make lamb a uh, part of your weeknight experience, you know, uh, a lamb burger instead of a hamburger or, um, you know, a uh, shredded uh, lamb shoulder on a flatbread or uh, in a pasta sauce or, you know, what what have you. Uh, but just kind of helping people to understand that it um, can be easy, it can be economical, um, and, you know, can be very satisfying and something that mixes the flavors up a little bit uh, more than just your typical pork, beef, chicken routine. So part of what we're doing uh, to foster that is um, working with chefs um, who uh, are doing more and more online content. Uh, you know, they're sharing recipes or cooking tips or, um, uh, you know, cooking demonstrations online that we're able to kind of share with our consumer base through social media. Mariano adds that Superior Farms also is expanding access through an omni-channel approach. One of the things we've also seen, obviously, is the the growth in online sales and, you know, through the pandemic, more folks are getting quite comfortable with ordering food and groceries online. So we are looking at um, different channels in the way that we make our product available directly to the consumer uh, online for ordering 
or through various partners. Obviously, most of our retail partners have their own e-commerce presence, so we're making sure our product is featured there uh, in a way that's going to, you know, inspire and educate, uh, as well as our own efforts to um, make LAM available uh, from our own website for ordering and from partners like Amazon and Instacart. So we're really looking at the online piece and making sure that we're available there as well. Anders knows that Superior Farms also works closely with retailers to drive foot traffic and educate staff to make recommendations and provide customers information about lamb. We've uh, worked to try to reach out to our uh, retail partners to share content um, and to really kind of reach their shoppers directly. Um, you know, we also do couponing and things like that um, to, re- to really kind of help highlight uh, what we're doing. Um, you know, pre-pandemic, we had started a, a real push towards in-store sampling, um, uh, which we really found as uh a very effective tool in terms of uh, really at the point of sale being able to, you know, provide somebody with a tasty bite and really help to kind of both educate and inspire them um, right there in the store. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, we haven't been able to do that um, like we like we had. So we've we've had to get a little bit more creative in terms of how we get the word out, um, uh, you know, through our retail partners. In terms of educating some of the retail partners. Um, you know, again, as you know, beef, pork, and chicken um, oftentimes dominate the protein scene. Um, uh, we can help by educating meat cutters uh, with with our retail partners uh, in terms of how, how they can make recommendations on information that they can share with their shoppers. Um, you know, about preparation and things like that. As demand for lamb grows, Hempel explains that Superior Farms is working closely with its suppliers to sustainably build healthy flocks by providing them with sales and consumer demand data, genomic analysis tools, and even specialized probiotics to support lamb health. The supply chain is definitely an interesting dynamic here in this country. So, uh, you know, unlike some of the other proteins that operate on much larger scales, uh, we work with about a thousand family farms throughout the West, um, about as far east as Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, and all the way west and, and south. Um, and so different lambs, or lambs are coming onto the market uh, during different times of the year. So we kind of rotate around uh, regionally as to where those uh, lambs are really coming from. But, you know, we work with these uh, producer partners, these ranching families, uh, to supply those those lambs to us. Um, and we try to share as much information as we can with them so that they can understand the long-term demand uh, for the product because, of course, that impacts breeding decisions and, you know, whether they're going to invest more in their lamb flock or some of them also raise uh, cattle on the side or as well. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, there, there are a lot of decisions that are made um, at that farm level that have longer-term implications. So as much as we can share in terms of, um, you know, the changes in consumer demand, uh, the better off we can be prepared or help them be prepared for um, changes in demand over time. So um, 
you know, a, a, a big part of what we try to do in partnering with them is sharing information in terms of, you know, not only uh, what the confirmation of the, the lambs that we're looking for uh, should be, but um, also how can we help them be um, more effective and more efficient in how they're, uh, how they're doing what they do. So we've developed a number of tools um, that have helped uh, ranchers better understand uh, the genomics of uh, of their flock um, so that they can make breeding decisions uh, that will result in um, basically a higher number of lambs so uh, lambs uh, used that have have twins you know that increases um, the potential for those uh, ranchers to, to grow their flock uh, that much more, um, and also making decisions for uh, animals that will be healthier and will thrive and be disease-free. Um, that helps them uh, because they have less loss in their business, and it also um, just helps to create a more consistent quality product for American consumers at the end. So those are some of the things that we're doing. We've also developed a uh, probiotic uh, that we developed with another uh, company uh, that, uh, that these ranching families are able to provide to newborn lambs uh, that really allows them to thrive and, and uh, uh, really grow in a healthy way uh, right out of the gate. Uh, so it's been very positive for them. It also helps uh, to reduce the use of antibiotics, um, you know, because they're able to uh, avoid disease and uh, just thrive in a, in a very positive kind of way. Looking forward, Hemphill predicts that retails of Sam will remain stronger than before the pandemic, even as some of the gains shift back towards food service as restaurants reopen, in part because consumers are increasingly interested in adopting more sustainable diets. And lamb often is more environmentally friendly than other animal proteins. Something we're always eager to, to talk about um, is the sustainability of American lamb uh, versus uh, maybe some other proteins um, uh, or some other options. I think oftentimes um, you know, people look at animal agriculture as being um, less sustainable, but I think that given the model that we work with in terms of working with um, these smaller American family farms, um, what you see is uh, something that is good for the environment and, um, you know, good for consumers. Uh, we have, you know, so many of the uh, producers that we work with, uh, they graze their lambs on national forest lands or other areas. And part of what those lambs are doing as they're going through is um, they're keeping wildfire risk at bay. Uh, so, you know, taking care of some of those lower-lying uh, fuels, if you will, for a wildfire to take hold. And uh, so that's a real service um, that, that those animals provide. I think one of the other things is that we see is uh, in California in particular, uh, a lot of sheep are, are grazing through uh, row crops after those crops have been harvested and there's you know still vegetation that's in those, uh, in those fields and uh, lambs are able to kind of go through and, and uh, graze on those. They're continuing to turn the soil as they go. They're fertilizing as they go. Um, uh, so it, it's again, it's a very positive thing for the soil uh, as well as for the sheep and for um, you know just the 
use of that uh, vegetation that otherwise would just, um, you know, uh, you know, go away. Um, and I think we even have uh, some uh, producer partners that are working with vineyards. Uh, so during the winter months, uh, lambs are grazing in those vineyards. It helps them to reduce their use of fossil fuels uh, in terms of having tractors and other uh, powered equipment going through. And again, they're keeping pests at bay. They are turning soil and fertilizing as they go. So it's a very positive story, um, you know, uh, that... American, the American sheep industry can be very proud of. A little over a year ago, we put out our first uh, a sustainability statement, and which was just kind of uh, an acknowledgement of the things that we're doing uh, and that we're committed to um, to make sure that American lamb continues to be uh, sustainable and the environment, animal care, food quality, and then people um, uh, are, are the four pillars of our um, uh, sustainability commitment. Um, and I think part of the um, people aspect is highlighted by the fact that we're an employee-owned company, which um, I think delivers a number of benefits, but uh, I think one of the strongest benefits is that we have employees, everyone from you know the, the president of the company down to people working on the plant floor, uh, who have an invested stake in this company. They have an ownership stake in this company, and so that um, uh, causes them to want to do the right thing. So uh, it also uh, increases their commitment level to what we're trying to do. Um, and so as a result, you have people who are cutting meat, for example, that have been doing it for uh, several decades, and they're really good at what they do. <laughs> and that shows up when we uh, are at our... Um, customers' sites uh, who want to take a look at the quality of our product and how it is prepared and uh, um, and and how how clean it is and uh, you know whenever we're compared with other companies uh, we come out on top of those comparisons uh, on a regular basis because I think of the commitment of our employee owners. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. <laughs>